Caden Co PR would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast was recorded and produced on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to the Press Office with Caden Copiar, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, and if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to another episode of The Press Office with Caden Co. PR. Today, I am joined by lifestyle editor of The Latch and Pop Sugar Australia, Sangeeta Kozrika. Sangeeta has had a really interesting career trajectory in the world of journalism, finding her way to Sydney from the US and working her way from freelance writing to now securing such a coveted role at two of the top female interest platforms. This episode is a must listen for any future journalists out there as we chat about personal branding and how to get your foot in the door. So I really hope you loved this chat as much as I did. Now let's get on to the episode. Hello, Sangeeta, and firstly, welcome to the Press Office with Kate and Co. PR. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to the other episodes, and yeah, I'm really excited. I'm so excited, and you have what I feel like so many people in the media industry would refer to as a dream job. You're the lifestyle editor at Pop Sugar Australia and The Latch. What exactly does your role entail? So I do lots of different things. And yes, I would say it definitely is a dream job. I love it. I look after the strategy and direction of the lifestyle verticals and content, which basically means I decide what kind of lifestyle content we want to cover. I edit copy. I create content for our social platforms. I just posted a reel this morning on the Latch Instagram of a World Pride breakfast that I went to. And then I bring larger editorial initiatives to life, like we just did on Pop Sugar, an Unstoppable series and an Uninhibited series. And finally, I also represent the brands at events and out in market. So I went to recently an international media marketplace event for two days, and that was with other travel journalists and travel writers. You sound like you're very busy. Do you have a typical daily routine or a day or is every day completely different? Every day is definitely different. I know it's like everyone says that, (laughs) but yes, definitely. Um, We're in the office three days a week. We're in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So those days do tend to be varies the same. And then on Monday and Friday, we all work sometimes from a cafe and then spend the rest of the afternoon at home. And then I'll go to events occasionally. For instance, that IMM, International Media Marketplace, that was two entire days. Or I might go to a famille or just a lunch event, something like that. It sounds very exciting, though, I have to say. And I know that any aspiring journalists listening would be very jealous of your job. What was your journey like getting to where you are today? 
It was definitely long. I would say I'm a late bloomer. I'm 35 now and I'm American. So I studied broadcast journalism in the US at University of Miami. And I did uni exchange here in Sydney and I just loved it so much. So I knew I wanted to come back out. So I came out and did a master's in PR. And so then I knew, okay, I love Sydney. I want to stay here. And I knew I wanted to be a journalist. I love writing and sharing information, but it was really tricky to find a job that would sponsor me. So I got a job in experiential marketing that ended up sponsoring me. And then I got permanent residency. And then at 26, I quit once I had the permanent residency. It was an amazing experience working there, but I was like, okay, finally I can do my journalism. And I worked at, and I got an unpaid internship actually at MTV. And I did two classes at UTS, another one in in journalism and one in feature writing an intro to journalism, which was, it was just great. I think for, I was so enthusiastic to, to be, I felt like a bit older than everyone else and I wanted it so badly. So I was always the first one in the class, like always at the front. And from there, the internship landed me a role at Daily Mail. And then I got Nova Entertainment and I freelanced. And then I worked at The Upsider, which is no longer around. It was under Junkie. And then now at The Latch and Pop Sugar. That is quite an incredible journey. And I, I love that, you know, we talk about the age 26. I'm 27 now. And that's a scary age. We're old. We should have our careers sorted. But it's not like that at all in the real world. You know, I think especially in media and like your journey has been like, you need to be quite nimble. There's all these opportunities popping up all the time. Do you find that? Yes, definitely. And I, it's so funny. I think I knew at 26 that this will make for a great story, that I quit a full-time job at 26 and I got and I took an unpaid internship. But I just, from there at the unpaid internship, I just worked so hard that, I mean, and I, I feel like that then you can move much quicker in whatever you want to do. So I think what I've learned throughout all of this is that every role you take helps you, even though you don't think it at the time, but it does help you grow in your career and it'll help you get to wherever you want to be, even if it's a lot later down the track that you choose, that's where you want to be. I think too, if you're so passionate about what you want to be or what you want to do, like you said, you always knew you were going to be a journalist or that's always what you wanted to do. It kind of makes the pathway easier to get there because you know it's going to lead back to where you want to go, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I always, my brother and I, when we go on family holidays around Europe, we'd like run inside to the hotel, find out what the nightly room rate was, and then come back out. And we're so excited to tell our parents. And I think that kind of sharing of the news was just, that's just what I got like excited from. I love that. I always feel like there's little like insights from your childhood about what you're going to be when you grow up, which sounds really weird, but I used to make a radio show with my friend when I was like 10 years old and now I make podcasts. So I'm like, it it was just so telling. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, you can get an idea of what you're actually interested in. And then in high school too, I did journalism classes. And I remember writing a story about going to India one time on a family holiday and then coming back to DC where I lived and zipping through the car. And it was very, just felt really sterile. And I loved expressing that, the colorful energy of India in juxtaposition with the very sterile, the US in going home from that. So 
I think I just loved conveying that. And that's something that now I still love doing. That's amazing. And you touched on it, you know, you took an unpaid internship at the age of 26. And I feel like a lot of young students or aspiring writers may be put off by, and I'll put this in quotation marks, you know, the lack of jobs in media. What would your advice be for someone who, you know, wants your job? It's definitely something I've thought about, and I definitely agree, because especially me being American and seeing how many publications there are in the U.S., there are so few here. I knew I wanted to be in lifestyle writing, and there are honestly hardly any to like lifestyle editor titles, but I would say that if I can do it, anyone can do it, because I'm American. I didn't have any connections out here, and yes, I'm like I feel like I'm the late bloomer, as I said, late in getting here, but I eventually got here. And it wasn't like everything I did along the way didn't help now. Those were incredible experiences. That first job that I was in, in the experiential marketing company, that was like where I made some of the best friends that I have and I still have right now. So every job that you take like leads you to where you will. And you will eventually, if you try, I think hard enough, keep going, then eventually you can get where you want to be. And if you're passionate enough, sometimes it means saying yes to an unpaid internship and, you know, putting in those hard yards or like you said, in your university course, sitting in the front row, being the first one to class every day, you know, just using every opportunity as a moment to network or meet new people and Yes, definitely. And then I remember when I, after Nova, when I wanted to try freelance writing, I didn't know very much about it. In fact, I still find that there's not that much information for freelance writers about how to get into it, how it works. I I find actually that the best way, the best advice I have for someone wanting to get into freelance writing is to find someone who you might think is a freelance writer, Google their name and then their byline, and then you'll be able to see what other publications they write for and that. But Um, But back to when I wanted to get into the freelance writing, I emailed a pitch to the general address at Escape, just the general email. And someone from that I had met at a, she used to be the barista at the next to the experiential marketing company that we always used to go get our coffees from. She was now a digital editor at Escape. And so she was able, she saw it and was like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, of course, we'd love to take this story. And so I was like, you just never know who Mm. ends up where. And I think that just shows to be kind to everyone. You never know who's going to be your next boss or who's going to be a connection that can actually help you in your career. Exactly. But I don't think do it ever for the connection purpose. And I don't think anyone would, but I would say, yeah, of course, just being a general person, I mean, generally nice person. And, and I think also just letting, if you want to get into journalism, I think letting people know that that's what you're interested in, because then people will start thinking of you. And then when you do get those opportunities, I think really making sure that you are fully appreciative and you aren't. So, cause I do sometimes see that if an opportunity comes too easily to some people, I don't know if they take it as seriously. Mm, I feel that. And, you know, talking about freelance writing as an editor, I assume that you take on pitches and you get pitch stories all the time. What are your tips on, you know, for a freelance writer, nailing the pitch and ultimately getting noticed by you? Well, I would say you should 
put pitch in the email subject line so the editor knows that that's what's you're pitching to. And and because we get a lot of pitches from PRs as well, I would even maybe write freelance pitch or writer pitch. And I would also make sure that your angle has a unique perspective. So it wouldn't be something that we, that the in-house writers could write. So it wouldn't be say something in Sydney because most of our team is in Sydney. It would be some, a personal story to you that only you can tell. And I would also uh, have them take a look at our sites and see what kind of content we do cover because it might not be a good fit at all. And tailoring the pitch as well to, I love lines where it's like, I've seen that you covered this story and I think this one might be a nice compliment to what you already have because that shows that you've taken the time to read what we have already. That's really great advice. And you mentioned before, I do find there is a real lack of information around, you know, becoming a freelance writer, right? Like there is no manual or instruction guide of what to do. Yeah. I, when I thought I wanted to get into it, I had just hit 30 and I wanted to, I had only lived in Sydney. Well, I'd lived in the US and Sydney. And so I was like, I'm just going to go travel and see if I can live anywhere else. And I was like, well, I guess I can freelance write while I do it. And then I just kind of started figuring it out. So I started, I found the byline of, I saw a girl, um, a writer who was writing for Escape a lot. And I Googled her name and I saw that she, based herself in Bali and was writing for all these different Australian and other publications, other international publications. And I was like, what a great idea to base yourself on the ground in Bali so that you have all the latest updates of what's coming there, any new restaurants, any new hotels. And so then I got the idea to do that. And then I went over there and did that for a little bit. But I think it was definitely through this Googling and seeing. And that was also how, when wherever I saw her byline, I knew that I was that Uh, publication accepted freelancers. So then I was able to pitch to them. And speaking of, you know, you speak about needing to research the publication before you pitch to them, which yes, obviously is very important, but you work across two titles. So the Latch and Pop Sugar Australia, they're quite different brands. Do you need to take like a very different approach when working on them? As I, I am assuming that they have a different audience as well. Yes, they definitely do. So all of the Val Morgan brands are aiming at audiences under 40, but Pop Sugar is a positive place and we aim to solve our readers' problems and put trends within reach and just have fun. And that is Gen Z, that our audience is Gen Z. And then the latch is older millennials. And that is content that drives richer conversation. We like to think about it when we write a Uh, stories and we think about what to cover, would we talk about this at a dinner table? We like to take the story always further and see some publications are already covering the straight news. So how can we do it differently? How can we examine something that everyone else has been talking about, but in a different way? Is it difficult to kind of switch between the two or do you tend to just write something or come up with a great story idea and then go, okay, that would definitely be a pop sugar story or Or do you have to really think about it and go, okay, I'm just writing for the latch today? 
Uh, yeah. So mainly all the stories I write will be on the latch. So that makes it easy. And then I think we have uh, for the lifestyle, we'll have different topics that we know are either pop sugar or the latch. For instance, the latch is travel style and design and architecture and pop sugar is fashion beauty and not travel. So then you know it either fits into one or the other. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And in terms of both of the publications, so a lot of media outlets are increasingly turning to social media to amplify their brand and the stories. What are both of the brands' approach to social media? You mentioned you created a reel this morning from Sydney Pride. Yes. Yeah. So we have recently hired a dedicated resource to help with the strategic development of the platforms, but we all share uh, post content. Uh, all the producers, editors, and writers um, post our own stories that we want promoted on the different platforms. And we're also across what's trending. So if there's any baby announcements or engagements, then we'll post that on Pop Sugar. My, our head of editorial, Valentina, is amazing. And um, after just on the weekends, anytime she sees something, it's often on, I'll go to message her and it's already been posted. So she's just on top of all of that. That's great that you all have like an all-in approach because also you would be so aware of, you know, the stories that you're looking after and people see different things on their Instagram all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and I think with the reels, we're definitely experimenting right now. So I think we're just having fun with creating content and then seeing what's working for us. But Pop Sugar does have guidelines from the US. So we adhere to those, whereas The Latch, we have a little more room for creativity with that. So we're kind of just, yeah, as I said, trying different things. That's really interesting. And in a similar vein, what are your thoughts on journalists and aspiring writers having, you know, their personal brand on social media? Do you think that's important? I definitely think it's important. And I think it's something that I'm working on right now. We recent, a few members of the team, including me, recently got the blue tick on Instagram. So we've just been kind of playing with that. And my friend said, I've been entering my blue tick era. And <laughs> yeah, I'm just having a lot more fun and sharing my content and just trying to be more real and authentic because I think I realized that that's what resonated with me. The people that I follow on social media, I've realized I don't want to do any more of the like very posed and think about a caption for so long, like very posed photos and think about this long caption and try to make it really witty. I'm like, now I'm like, um, I posted a reel today on my own personal one. It was of the Harry Styles concert. It just wouldn't post on Pop Sugar's Instagram. So I just posted it on mine and it just said, this won't post on Pop Sugar's. It was, I think it's a copyright infringement with the music, but I was like, so, but I wanted to share this because it took ages to make. And <laughs> yeah. And I used a One Direction song because I really like this song. So yeah, I just thought that was more authentic. I love that. I was stalking your TikTok earlier today oh. and I love it. I love your little days in a life. I think that's the content though that is starting to do really well on that platform in particular because people are actually so interested and we're just no nosy human beings like naturally that we're like, what does she do in her day? 
<laughs> I know. Yeah, it's interesting. I have like no followers on TikTok, but it's so creatively rewarding. It's so fun for me at the at like the next morning or that night to record what I did on my voiceover and be like, and then I did this and then maybe do a cool transition or yeah, I think that's um I I haven't been drinking for 2 months since the start of I the year. I saw that. Yes. Yeah, and I feel like because of that, I'm like, oh my god, it's like unleashed this whole creative part of my brain. I went sober for a few months last year. The amount of time you have like put in your day when you stop drinking is insane. I was just like going through my to-do list within like three hours on the weekend and then had so much time for me. It was great. Oh my God. I know it's wild. Like, yeah, Saturday morning, I'll make like a list of everything I need done. Like go pick this up from Bunnings, get, do this reel for pop sugar. Um, you know, I did the Harry Styles and the world pride one on Sunday night. Cause I just had so much time. I love that. And we have touched on how you prefer to work with freelance writers and how for them to stand out in your inbox. What about for publicists? How can we get a pitch standing out in your inbox? I would say I I think I read every email that comes through press releases, but if it's a, if it's a food news item and on the subject line it says something of a food news thing that I know isn't relevant for pop sugar and the latch, then I would delete it initially because I would know that the thrill list senior producer would have gotten the exact same email and she would cover it. Sometimes I'll pop in our, we have in our Slack channel editorial pitch Slack site. Um, so I would say if there's something really big, I would put it in there just to ensure she hasn't missed it. I do try to make things work. So I'll see, can, can this work on pop sugar, the latch, but I, and I would say also I have some live relationships now because I've been in journalism for quite a while. So I have relationships with some PRs and I think that's been really amazing as well because they can tell me honestly, like, can you just put it in this or can we make it work like this? I think that is, but then they also know where it, it won't suit. And I think that's great to be respectful as well. No, this does not work. Having the relationships has been really good. And and just know, I think for the PRs to know that I do read every email. Do you have any PR pet hates on the other side of it all? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> before I start though, I would say though, I I think my whole team empathizes with any PRs. Like we know, I, I would know that the client might be asking for them to call you or I understand that if they go back to the client and say nobody's taken the take it picked up on this the client might be like well have you contacted them this way or have you done this or have you tried this so I totally understand where they're coming from but still though I would say that I really don't like calls on my personal on my mobile if especially on Monday and Friday when I'm working from home in the afternoon I think to get a call on your mobile about a release that I have also probably seen in my inbox and decided wasn't a good fit I would say that would be a no and I think I think also maybe starting a conversation when sometimes I'll reply no to an email I'll say no sorry this isn't a good fit and then it'll have started a the PR might think that it's starting a dialogue and they'll say but how about can we make it work like this then I regret having said no 
<laughs> having replied at all. And I think that's actually why a lot of the times, sometimes I just don't reply because then that I have had many times where people do start the conversation and then I'll have to respond because I don't want to be rude. And I think it's been talked about before, but I think really big gift boxes, I'm, and especially at the latch, we're very big on sustainability. So I think having a PR box that will have to throw a lot of the box away and it'll, the actual product will be a small part of the package that doesn't always feel great to have. And especially I live in an apartment building. So I always feel like I'm clogging up my recycling bin with these packages. But in general, I, I think I work really well with PRs and I would say that a lot of them have been great in helping with content and helping shape a story and get quotes quickly. For instance, I needed quotes for an International Women's Day piece and I felt like they, and I said, I, I'll need it because it's just this Wednesday, the International Women's Day, and they were able to turn those around quite quickly. So I'm very appreciative. I love what you had to say about the gift boxes in particular, because I I feel like, you know, pre-COVID, there was this shift around, you know, making PR boxes more sustainable and thoughtful. But then obviously when lockdowns came, it was really the only way brands could amplify their messages and announce these launches. So they kind of came back bigger and better than ever before. But I agree. I, I feel like sometimes you see you know, gift boxes that even have a TV screen in it, like a mini iPad with video showing. And you're like, what is going on here? I know. I can definitely understand though that in, and especially in beauty, the amount of deliveries and you want yours to stand out. So I definitely understand. And especially if it's a really beautiful package that might get in in Instagram or a post on Insta story and then tagging of the brand, because sometimes I'll do that if it's a really cute package. But I do think maybe with you could do it less with the cardboard and the packaging that needs to be thrown out. Instead, I received a package recently and it came in a little picnic uh, straw basket. And that's something you could reuse again. And so I think, and then the actual product, which was plates, was wrapped in napkins, which were also the products. But I liked that none of it was wasted. I could use the entire package. I love that. Well, I have had such a lovely time talking to you, but we're already up to our quick fire questions. So are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. What has been your favorite PR event ever? Oh my gosh. It is hard to choose. <laughs> I have been treated to some amazing things. I, <laughs> um, I would say I went to Qatar recently. Oh, wait, wow. is that, that's kind of a famil. Yeah. So, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So famils, I would say are definitely the most amazing experiences too. I love even group famils when you're like getting to know all these other journalists. And then when you see them at events later on and you're like, Oh my God, remember when yeah. we did that ridiculous thing together and you always have that bond. I love that. And and for any aspiring journalist, I would say if you can ever get on a female, be on your best <laughs> behavior and that will be where your connections come because you're traveling with all other people, all other journalists. And it's also fascinating to see the way that they work. You'll see like, you know, when I've been with travel journalists, they'll have a little notepad and the, they'll take notes and one was like typing them up every evening, all the notes. And I was like, wow. <laughs> 
I love that. Yeah, so anyway, Qatar, I would say, is amazing. <laughs> or I went to dinner on the Sydney airport's tarmac, which was amazing. And the World Pride Breakfast this past Sunday was at the tow- uh, the bridge climb has a little I didn't even know it had a little breakfast, um, an area inside that had a breakfast spread. And then outside you could see a view of the parade. Wow. It was amazing. I felt, oh my God, like this is so special. That does sound amazing. Uh, what is your favorite podcast apart from this, of course? Um, I actually listen to a lot of Mamma Mia podcasts. I love those. And I listen to the Daily Oz every morning when I'm just brushing my teeth and getting ready. And then we have our own Pop Sugar Dinner for Two as well. So I listen to those. And those are really inspiring stories um, from female entrepreneurs or um, men entrepreneurs as well. And that's with hosted by Elise Tran. And what is your favorite social media platform? Instagram, I would say for now, although with that Harry Styles posting the real thing, I'm kind of annoyed with them right now, <laughs> but Instagram. And then I love my day in the life TikToks. So yes. for my 60 followers. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your most visited website? I think probably mine, like the, I mean, ours, uh, the Latch and Pop Sugar. I'm always, because I update the homepage on the Latch, I'm constantly going on the Latch and seeing what's just tweaking the homepage and, and on Pop Sugar as well to see what content we're doing. And my very last question for you what is your screen time? Oh, gosh, I don't know, but it would be a lot. I think I'm. <laughs> especially with the not drinking thing and this creative burst on socials, I have been on my phone like nonstop. So yeah, I'm, I can't tell you, but I'd be embarrassed. For <laughs> well, it has been such a pleasure chatting to you today. I really appreciate your time. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. It's been amazing to chat about my career and hopefully have some good advice for anyone wanting to do what I'm doing now. It is possible. Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate & Co PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co PR.